hey, hey, you, stop what you're doing, especially if you're sabotaging yourself. One of the most important projects you'll ever work on is getting out of your own freaking way. And guess what? I've got someone to help you with that. Rachel Wilson Thibodeau, my little big sister, award-winning speaker, digital marketing consultant, author, brand strategist, and not to mention she's an expert at wearing high heels because she's kind of height-challenged, if you know what I mean. But on the flip side, she sounds taller than she really is. Okay, I digress. Welcome to the project. Get out of your own way podcast with Rachel Wilson Tipido. Hey there, brilliant people. This is your host, Rachel Wilson Thibodeau, back with you for another episode of Project Get Out Your Own Way. We are on episode 12. <laughs> I had to think about it. Episode 12, it, it's like it's 12 episodes have flown by. And, of course, more are in the works, so stay tuned. I am excited to bring you part two. Again, we are in part two of the series, the Houston Swagtastic Women series. Some of you who have been with me from the beginning or maybe you jumped in, you started listening after the first couple of episodes, you know that this is a series of interviews I did with 10 amazing women, women leaders, entrepreneurs, other leaders, executive directors, game changers, influencers, power players in Houston that you absolutely want to hear from. And I'm sure some of you know some of them, if not all of them. So I am bringing you another episode, another amazing interview from that series. And this just happens to be another one of my sorority sisters. So I, I, interviewed a few of my sorority sisters not not you know not everyone in the series are my sorority sisters but hey I, I i am a member we are member are members of the illustrious delta sigma theta sorority incorporated you 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 know, you have to say it just just right to, to really for, for for you guys really grasp the power, you know, and, and there's just a lot of dope, dynamic women in the sorority. I mean, I, hey, what, what can I say? I mean, my my line, my my line that I pledged. Oh, my goodness. I mean, there's just there's. I, all of my line sisters are done. Okay. All right. I'm going to stop stop gushing over TST. But before I do that, shout out to the members of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So, guys, before jumping into the interview, this episode is brought to you by... That's kind of sort of a drum roll the brand breakthrough experience the brand breakthrough experience is one of my signature offerings it is a one-on-one -on -one private consulting session as i like to call it consulting is just the right combination of consulting and coaching and it is designed to bring about breakthrough because you guys know we're all about breakthrough at Swag Strategy Solutions, helping clients break through to more clarity, more visibility, and more profitability. And the brand breakthrough experience is for those, those entrepreneurs, those marketers, those who want not only to clarify their brand and develop their brand, but to monetize their brand. And that's it's not something that just happens with you snapping your fingers. It, it, it is a bit of a process. There are things that you need to know. Uh, first of all, you do need to get clear about your brand message and what your brand is really about. We, we talk about the difference between your brand and branding. Yes, there is a difference. And a number of other things. It, it is a power-packed 
session. And so if that is something you want to know more about, if you want to join other very satisfied clients, then let's connect. You can schedule a complimentary brand to brand to profit session and all those although those are complimentary they are limited so i recommend that you jump on that sooner rather than later which you can do by going to swagstrategy.com forward slash contact swagstrategy.com forward slash contact all right so with without any further ado let let me bring you Mrs. Carla Lane, President and CEO of Lane Staffing. You you probably want to take notes. So if you don't have pen and paper, your laptop, your tablet, whatever you take notes, you take notes with, I, I think you probably want to grab that. It, otherwise, make sure that you listen to it again because there is a lot shared here. All right. I don't I don't want you guys to miss anything. So let's go. Welcome back, everyone. Those of you who have been with me during this wonderful series, this swagtastic Houston women series. So, you know, I've talked to a number of special women, amazing women. This this woman happens to be especially special because she is one of my sorority sisters. And not just my sorority sister. This this is my line sister. Now, for those of you who are a little Greek challenged, that means we pledge together we we went through the process together, all right, in the same year. So we, we have shared some adventures, okay? <laughs> so welcome, Mrs. Carla Lane. Thank you for having me, Ellis. How are you? I'm good. Early morning, you know, voice stuff, but I'm good. I'm glad to be here, and I'm excited to be with you. All right. Well, wonderful. I am too. So you guys, I'm going to share a, a little about Carla and then you're going to hear more, of course, from her. And her bio does still probably doesn't do her justice. But, you know, I, I want you, those of you who may be new to her, want to tell you um, just a little about her and some of the amazing things that she has done. So Carla Lane is the president and CEO of Lane Staffing, which happens to be the largest minority-owned employment solutions provider in the Southwest. She is a graduate of University of Houston, go Cougs, and began her career at a small staffing agency as an accounting clerk and worked her way up. And boy, did she work her way up. So later in 2003, she became the senior VP and chief operating officer of diverse staffing and boldly proclaimed while she was there, and y'all get this, that her long-term goal was to buy the company from the owners. And that happened. Later in 2006, when the company was, was struggling some, Carla took a leap of faith, bought all of their assets, and changed the name. Y'all, she changed the name. But, I mean, that's what you do, right? Changed the name to Lane Staffing. And within a few years, she has transformed this company into a $20 million enterprise. Today, Lane Staffing has expanded to 15 states serves government agencies in Fortune 100 and 200 companies and employs over 800 people, over 800 people. And that's not all. Carla has been recognized time and time again. She is the recipient of the University of Houston Distinguished Alumni Award, the Greater Houston Black Chamber of Commerce Pinnacle Award, the Icon Winning Woman Award, and the Audrey H. Lawson Impact Award. And she has a nonprofit, you guys, called The Woman's Work. This Woman's Work, excuse me. So, and last but not least, she is a wife and a mother. So there, there you go. 
you don't you don't look tired at all from, from you, all you know what's funny is that's the reason my voice sounds like this is probably because <laughs> I don't know that I'm tired but I'm tired <laughs> <laughs> all right all right so let's let's just jump in you work and I know you work with a lot of different people but you work more closely in terms of, of who you work with in your company with a lot of women like I, I think Lane Staffing is pretty much completely run by women. Is is that still the it's case? All girl band, just like Beyonce. All there, girl there you go. All right. <laughs> so I'm thinking you you know a thing or two uh, about women, and so in your experience, how do women tend to get in their own way? Wow, there are so many ways that we do. Um, precisely that. I think um, what popped in my head initially is a conversation I had recently about why I started this woman's work. And it really was born out of interviewing women. And we place all kinds of people, like you said, but my heart is women and girls. And I would see that they had made decisions early in life that um, kept them from earning a living wage. We're not even going to talk about career now, but just a living wage, being mm -hmm. able to take care of the people that you love and take care mm -hmm. of yourself. And those decisions get made typically around 15, 16, they get made. Now, children that come from trauma, that happens even earlier. But when we start getting autonomy, we start making decisions that are, that are gonna affect the rest of our lives. And so we talk about education, we talk about the decision to have sex, we talk about the decision to marry, we talk about the decision to date certain kind of people. All of this stuff flows with you and we're steady picking up um bags mm. and so then you get to a point where you are our age on the road to 50 and you've got all this stuff you've collected along the way i think it's important that we take a moment and look at the stuff that we're carrying and figure out what we can put down and like i said for some it's horrible relationships some it's multiple children um some it can be a lot of things our attitude you know can stand in the way but again, those are things that we pick up. And so we talk about this woman's work and stepping into strength. It really is about investing in our own community, our own um, people, and helping them to right some shifts, whether it is with education or is it mental health. Um, there are just so many things that we see happen that we don't address because we're the strong one. That's the other thing, mm. is thinking that you got to always be the strongest person and you're going to support everybody. There comes a time you got to support for yourself. And that might Carla, be... I, I got to stop you right there because <laughs> that was really key. And I want to make sure that no one misses that. So say, say that again about being the strong one. Yeah, the, the concept of being the strong one, the strong friend, the strong um, daughter, whatever it is, is that you have to take care of yourself. That, that is a priority. And self-care, which is funny because everybody thinks it's massages and long baths, and it can be that. <laughs> but one of the things that for me, self-care is knowing that just because I have a cell phone does not mean it always has to be on. Mm. I agree. That's like so magical to know that nobody can reach you because they're like electronic leashes. Leash, leashes, I guess that's the way to say that. You get what I mean? The thing you put around a dog. <laughs> and so you're a slave to it. So turn your phone off for hours. Mm. You know, we're afraid to because we might miss something. It was so funny um, when Facebook and Instagram was down, people were literally losing their minds because we have been Held, we're held captive to what everybody else is doing and showing everybody else what we're doing. Right. And yeah, how freeing would it be if you went out with your friends and you just enjoyed them? Mm, imagine that. <laughs> you just didn't, you didn't take a bunch of pictures of the plates and y'all laughing and y'all toasting and yay. You just looked in your friend's eyes and listened to what she had to say. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I went out with it, didn't I? <laughs> what was that? I said I went down went on a tangent right there. No, 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 that was people. that was good stuff. So let's let's turn the turn the tables a bit on you. Now I don't know if this is something you 
may still have an issue with. I mean, I, I occasionally still get in my own way. I've gotten better. I've made some pro progress, thank God. <laughs> but whether it's now or whether it's been in the past, and my question is not necessarily how you've gotten in your own way, or at least not yet. The first question is, were you able to recognize that? Or is there someone who kind of brings that to your attention that is like, you know, you you need to think of this another way or you need to go about this another way? How, how does that happen? Yeah. Uh, the, the funny thing is a long time ago, somebody told me to develop what's called a kitchen cabinet, which mm -hmm. is a group of people that you can consult with and that help you navigate life. So in my life, I've had different people a part of my kitchen cabinet that I call and that are just present in my life and they can see it. For the longest, it, that primary person was my dad because he mm -hmm. navigated um, being in education at a time when um, African-Americans were not seen as educators. And he was a dean of students at a predominantly white graduate school in, in, in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And so helping to learn to navigate, he was essential. But then he went to heaven. And so I lost my ride or die. I lost my friend. And I had to scramble and find people that I trusted the way that I trusted him. And it still is very much a challenge. But the kitchen cabinet has been helpful and it's ever expanding. And I tell you something interesting that our line sister told, told me the last time she was in Houston. We met for breakfast and talked. And she said, every week, invite a woman to lunch and listen to her. Mm. And at the end of the year, you would have had lunch with 52 different women, some of which will become a part of that kitchen cabinet. Some you may not never, you may never talk to again. And some may be part of your life, your personal life to support you that way. And so I took her advice and started doing it. And the amazing thing that has happened is that all these women just bless me. They give me all this wisdom. And some, like she said, they stay. And some just check in every now and then. And I look up, sometimes I'm at events and I don't even tell people I'm going or I say in passing, oh, I'm going to get this award and don't even really say anything. And then I look up and, and one of them is in the audience yelling like a crazy person because I don't have family in Houston, but I have family in Houston because I take people to lunch and listen to them. And it's, it's a really an amazing feeling when you look out into a crowd and you see somebody that you know is there just because they want to support you. That's some phenomenal yeah. stuff. Yeah. That is like so love. And that came from just, I mean, and sometimes I invite women to lunch that I see in the grocery store and I like their style. And so I'll give them my card and say, hey, you know, I'd love to take you to lunch and just talk about being a woman, which right. people think is crazy. But when they, you know, of course, people Google you and they figure out I'm not hitting on you. <laughs> they, they, we go to lunch and we have amazing conversation. And I've right. developed some great friendships that way. Right. Oh, wow. That that is that is a an awesome idea. And I mean, I I certainly try to stay connected and connect with new people, but that's really being intentional about mm -hmm. it. And I really want everyone to hear that, and especially the ladies out there, because sometimes we in particular as women, we we can get a little clickish, we can get a little, you know, in our silos. And, and I understand some people are introverts and it's not as easy, you know, for some to approach other people and to do that. But th that, that's what this is all about. It's getting out of your comfort zone and doing things that you may not ordinarily do. And, and just lo and behold, watch what could possibly happen. That's right. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. So one, one of my favorite books, I, I'm a reader. I, I think you're a, a big reader mm -hmm. too, but one of my favorite books is called The War of Art mm -hmm. by Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. When I heard, first heard the title, I was thinking it was possibly about art. And while I like art, I appreciate art. I wasn't sure if I really wanted to read about art. But it's not, not quite about art in that sense. Um, it's really about resistance and the different forms resistance shows up as in our lives. Um, 
I, I'm I'm curious for you because I mean obviously you've done some amazing things, me in your career and your life, but I'm sure along the way you've dealt with some resistance. Oh yeah. so whether that came from other people, whether it, it came from you. I mean, what tell us what does that look like? What has that looked like for you? You know, resistance, when we talk about people pushing back against where you're trying to go, is that what you mean when you say resistance? Uh, to some degree, yeah. So so there have been and there continues to be a lot of resistance on a lot of different sides. Um, I'll talk about my own resistance to where it is that I believe that I've been called to go. Um, there is a thing that my college roommate, I was on Facebook doing one of my rants because, you know, I like to write. So I'll write whatever I'm feeling mm -hmm. on Facebook. And my college roommate said, Carla, read this book. And it was called The Imposter Syndrome. Have you heard mm -hmm. of that? Yes. So um, imposter syndrome is basically feeling like your success um, may not be earned. Maybe it's a fluke and you're going to all of a sudden be revealed as this big fake. And right. so you really are not entitled to the success that you've experienced. So for me, that has been an issue. So much so I went to a conference of, about the Black Woman's Agenda, Power Rising, and they had a whole session about imposter syndrome. Now, this is how interesting my imposter syndrome can be. So I go to the session. I sit on the last row because I know nobody in the room. And I'm like, is this the right room? Because I'm in the room <laughs> with all these bad sisters from all over the United States. And like my little bio and my little stuff in Houston and these people are doing it. So I sit on the last row and they start talking my language. They talk about, you know, be growing up in a black church where smart girls are not, you know, you're not valued because just that mm. traditional black church, you're not leadership. You can't be, but you don't sing and you don't play an instrument. Wow. So you was just a smart girl. So sit down and be quiet. And I was like, what? Oh my God. So I had to go mm. to the front because <laughs> right. these are my people. Y'all understand me. That's my own stuff. You know, hearing those voices that, and that's another thing why I think it's really important that we mentor girls is those voices that were not necessarily positive about me as a child. I hear them. Mm. Some of those people that said that stuff are dead and I still hear them. That's right. why we have to be so careful with our children, but then we have to be careful with ourselves. And so that's what I'm learning is to be nice to myself. Stop saying things to myself that I would fight somebody if they said it to my daughter, you know, wow. that, that, that's, that's, I mean, because we say these horrible things to ourselves that you would never allow anybody to say to someone mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ever. So that's me fighting my own resistance. The other thing I would say is that, um, and it's hurtful. I was listening to Michelle Obama. I think she was talking to Oprah. And she talked about how, um, as, a, as an African-American woman, we were told, do well in school. We were told, go out and um, do your best and create something for our community and lift us up. And you go and you do all that stuff and you come back and they say you think you're better than us right. i had to turn i had i was listening to it and driving I had to turn it off because it, it made my chest swell up and i had to swallow because i had my makeup on and i was about to go to a meeting i can't show up <laughs> crying <laughs> but do you can you imagine and i'm sure you've experienced it too mm -hmm. yeah how deeply it hurts to be rejected by your own people that you love so much right Right. And it, and it's not, it, it is, it is very much sometimes people, what people think about you, mm -hmm. not your reality. And so mm -hmm. like the four agreements is one of my favorite books. I think mm -hmm. about it all the time. And, and one of the agreements is nothing anyone does is about you. It's about them. Mm. So I try to remind myself when people mm. say, oh, she thinks she's, that that's about them. Because I'm generous and I'm kind and I have a good heart. And so what they're saying is invalid. It's based on an impression that you got in passing based on something superficial. Because if you say that about me, clearly you don't know me. Mm. But it's still resistance because it hurts. And you have to trudge forward anyway. Because it hurts. It does yeah. hurt when you're rejected by people that you love because of 
whatever. That's, right. that's the kind of resistance right. that I, that I experienced. And most of it is, is a uh, fear, false evidence appearing real, you know, me thinking I'm not qualified when this is really the only job I've ever had. I've only had jobs in staffing. So I know this. I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so but, think so, so why am I in the room thinking, is that valid to say? It's not real. Wow. Okay. All right. Now you, you just dropped a lot right there. I, I'm still on, you know, I, I always perk up when I hear Michelle Obama. So I, I was trying to listen to that, but I was still on the, the whole thing with the daughter. And I, I want to mm -hmm. repeat that because ladies, that is such a, that's so powerful. And I, I don't have a daughter. I don't have children, but I know many of you do. And many of you have daughters in particular. Why would you say things to yourself and about yourself that you would not want to be said to your daughter? Really think about that. I, I want, I want y'all to really marinate on that because how often does that happen? How often do you say, I, I can never do that. That's not going to work. You're not good enough. I mean, but would you say those things to your daughter? Would you want those things said to your daughter? So that's, that's really major. And then the whole thing with rejection and dealing with rejection, especially rejection from your own people, that, that kind of brings me into the next question, somewhat, somewhat re related, um, because obviously there, there's a problem or that it can be problematic when we're self-sabotaging, when we're getting in our own way, uh, when we, we do fall to the whole imposter syndrome <laughs> thing. Do you think the consequences are higher uh, for women of color when, when mm -hmm. we self-sabotage? How, how does that whole thing work? Yeah, I, I think definitely we start talking about women of color and we won't even talk about how much less we make from white men and even mm. white women. Um, and then the, the other thing is that us developing relationships and networks like you're creating um, for women in general and women of color because our issues are so unique, I think that is essential because that's how we rise. Um, when I was at this convention and... Um, what is her name? Melissa. I can't think of her name, but she was fired from her job at CNN because she agreed. I think it's Melissa Harris Perry. Um, oh, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she was talking about. And she's a sorrow. She, she is phenomenal. She was mm -hmm. talking about how uh, being a black girl is like double dutch. And I just thought that was mm. the most beautiful um, I think I heard that. Yeah. 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 It, because you gotta, you gotta be in rhythm. You gotta jump in at the right time. You gotta keep the pace up. But most yeah. importantly, you gotta look at your partner and you need to look at the people who are turning the ropes. And so it's a team mm. effort. And I just thought that was beautiful because as I have, um, I'm going to keep saying it as I'm on my road to 50, um, the, the friendships that I've created that are reciprocal, that at one time I didn't care if they were reciprocal. Like I would hang out mm. with people that were not there for me just so I could be somewhere. I don't do that anymore. Or I would say, hey, who wants to go to dinner and I buy dinner for everybody? I'm not doing that anymore mm -hmm. because the relationships have to be reciprocal for me. And I know that. And so I want to be right. around women who believe in reciprocal uh, relationships that are going to support me the way I'm going to support them, that are going to keep my confidences, that are going to get everything I'm going to do for my friend. I want them to do back for me. And I make it very clear. And one of the things that we model to the girls that we mentor is women can be friends and we can disagree. But when you hurt my feelings, I say, hey, you did that. It hurt my feelings because I'm an adult. And I can tell you, yes, I, and because that's what friendships are. And because you're my friend, then you're going to apologize if it was not on purpose. And if what you did was, you're going to explain. And then we'll move on because we're friends. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so when we talk about the challenges of Black women 
I think a big part of the solution is relationships and alliances so that we can brainstorm and we can Mm -hmm. move as a unit and we can say, okay, this is what we're trying to do. And we do it. And we, we are brilliant and beautiful enough to know that you don't always have to lead and your name doesn't have to be the first name because we are moving something forward is we. That's the cool part. It's we. It doesn't matter. It don't have to be a Carla Lane production. It's we. (laughs) (laughs) You you better come online, sister. (laughs) I like that. I like that. All right. So this is what I I, want to hear. And I'm sure the audience want, wants to hear as well. I want to hear more, uh, more about kind of your journey and your path, because, I, you know, how do you go from being this young, fresh out of college, <laughs> fresh out of college, young lady with all these dreams, these ambition, uh, starting out at your first staffing agency and then buying the agency later, turning it into a multi-million dollar enterprise, uh, kind of walk us through that. And I know you can't do that in, you know, a few minutes, but tell us kind of how you dealt with fear and uh, challenges, because I'm sure there were uh, uh, just a few there are. <laughs> along the yeah. way. How, and how are you able, how have you been able to really take action, take aligned action? And when I say aligned, I mean aligned with your goals, your vision, you know, actions that matter. Because some of us are good for taking action. Some of us are good for being busy, but not necessarily being busy with the right things and being effective in our action. Right. So the Reader's Digest version, I actually started working for the company I eventually bought when, um, right after we got offline, after we pledged in 93, I was a sophomore in college and I really went and got a job because my dad would not pay for me to get my nails done because he had just written that check for Delta. (laughs) I I think I may recall something about that. It's a problem. Because I need my nails and my hair done. And he didn't feel me because he had already wrote this check. So I went and got a job <laughs> as an accounting clerk. And that's when I told them that I was going to own the business. And I really was being smart because I didn't have an answer. And so um, that's one of the things that, again, I always tell my daughter, the girls that I have relationships, you have to be careful what you say. Mm. Because you speak life all over stuff sometimes. And mm. if you speak life over things that you want to be dead, you're about to have a problem. So <laughs> that happened and I stayed, I stayed with the business. I, I learned, it grew, I grew with it. And then when um, I finished at U of H, um, I didn't take the job with the accounting firm that people thought I should take, that my parents thought I should take. Mm. I wanted to work in small business because I knew I wanted to own one. Now I thought I was going to go to grad school and, you know, do the whole thing and I would eventually own the CPA firm or I'd go to law school and become an attorney. But I got married and had a baby and I was sleepy and my daddy was not paying for grad school. So there went that. (laughs) So I kept working and along the line, I fell in love with staffing and what Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to do something to make the lives of people that look like me better. I thought it was going to have something to do with accounting and finance or maybe legal system. Um, I always wanted to, but employment is something that is very basic, but it is um, essential. It is essential that our children see their parents get up and go to work. It is essential that people in all parts of whatever city know what opportunities are coming to their city. That stuff is essential because you don't even know where to look. There are some communities here in Houston that when jobs come, they don't even hear about it. When events come, they don't even know, okay, Super Bowl is in town. They're going to need hundreds of people. Where do I go apply for jobs? That's my role. I'm like, hey, jobs over here. And so I fell in love with it. And I learned it from the back. So I knew how to make it make money. I knew what the numbers needed to look like, but I didn't know the front end. And when mm-hmm. I moved to the front is when I fell in love with the people part of it. Because the numbers, I could sit with a spreadsheet for four or five days and drink champagne and be fine. I don't even have to eat. 
or talk to nobody. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm, I'm not hearing oh, la 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 la. Ooh, you, you accounting people. Mm. I love it. And you could just, and they always fit. They do what you want them to do. I could go off talking about numbers. But then when I moved to the mm. front, the people part, the people that are, I mean, people are so um, interesting to me. And because I am a very structured kind of person, um, it sometimes it's difficult, human situations, because I want things to line up and people don't line up because you want them to. <laughs> that, that, that bothers me. But yeah. <laughs> what I'm learning I understand. Is, I understand. Yes, why won't they do what I say? But it's essential that people are heard. That's what I learned sitting in the front. And so I figured it out. And I, I carved a niche for my firm. Not that we just place a certain kind of person because we place all kinds of people. But how we grew is that I love people. And everybody that works with me has to love people, which means that you love the man who took the bus in July to our office and it's hot and he smells like a hamburger. You don't act like you don't smell hamburger. And we're going to love on him. Whether we said hamburger. <laughs> because these are our people. So and if silly. people don't go to work, I don't have a business. And we love our people because you know why? We were our people. We were looking for a job. We found a job. So he needs to be treated with respect, whether he was hot and the deodorant quit or whether whatever. I don't care. Mm -hmm. And when you treat people with respect, they come back. They come back. They always, and yeah. they tell people. And not that everybody loves lane staffing because we are a business and sometimes people are not happy with us. But as a rule, even though you mad, we love you. <laughs> and that's a little different. That's a little different when you go because staffing very much is a numbers game and people yeah. get into the numbers part of it. But it also is a people game. And that is how we grew the business that people say, how did you do this? And then, yes, I have tons of spreadsheets because they make me happy. But the way to grow a business is one, I think, to, to be in a business that you love. So mm -hmm. it, it's not really work. You lose time. So if you're loving what you're doing, you're going to spend time with it. And then two, take care of the people. Like keep your eye on the people. And those numbers, they come because the people come. Because we live in a world where love is not present in a lot of places. It's really dark. And, but people like light. Right. So they gravitate towards light. So be the light. Whatever you're doing, be the light. If you work as an accountant, you do, you're doing tax returns right now, smile at people. Listen to people when they need to talk. Because sometimes people just need an ear. They don't even need an answer. They just want to be heard. True. They'll come back and they'll tell people how kind you were. That's, that's just, be a good person. And usually your business will grow. Be a good person. And y'all, I, I can attest to Carla really living what she's talking about, about people and really valuing people. I mean, that, that's even, uh, that even comes through kind of in her tagline. The tagline for Lane Staffing is take care of people and it'll take care of the bottom line. Or so I, I'm paraphrasing. And the bottom line will grow. The bottom line will grow. And that is, that is really true. You know, that's something else I don't want anyone to miss because often, you know, if you're in business, those of you who are in business, you can really get bogged down. We can really get bogged down in the bottom line and making that grow and making the numbers <laughs> line up and do what we want them to do. And sometimes forgetting that a big part of that, really the most important part of that, and especially if you're in a service-driven business, if you mm -hmm. provide professional services, if you provide any service, it is so much about the people. You can't, you can't lose that. So, all right. So just, just share a little more about, uh, give us an idea of the day, a day in the life of Carla <laughs> Lane. Because for one thing, I know you, at least from what I recall, you get up pretty early. Now, you guys, that, that's something Carla and I do, do not quite have in, in common. <laughs> I am not a morning person. I said I was going to stop saying that, though, because... 
something Carla said earlier, and again, I don't want y'all to miss it. What you say <laughs> has power, and I'm a big believer in that. So I, I started thinking, well, Rachel, if you do, maybe if you stop saying I'm not a morning person, maybe you would at least become more uh, of one. Uh, <laughs> I know you get up early. What 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 does a day look like? So a good day, a really good day when I am firing on all cylinders, I will be up by six. And if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, I will go walk around my neighborhood. But usually I don't in the last couple of months. But a good day, that would happen. Okay. <laughs> on a normal day, my phone will say, come here. And so I'll look at my emails before I get out of the bed, which you're not supposed to do, mm. but I do. And mm -hmm. then something has blown up or exploded overnight. So then I run into the office at home and try to fix it. Um, sometimes that is fixed before I leave the house. And sometimes it's in process. So then I'll go get dressed, which again is a process. And I am on the phone all the way to my office. And I'm usually there by 10 if the first thing is at my office. Office. Now, mm -hmm. depending on what all is going on, there might it might be a meeting day. So I may eat on a busy day. I may have lunch three times with three different people, starting at eleven thirty for an hour each. <laughs> if I'm lucky, I was able to line them all up at the same restaurant, so I don't have to go dart around. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. It's like you go and then you walk out with that person, and then you go back in. <laughs> <laughs> you do what you got to do. <laughs> all right, all right. Then I'll go back to the office, see what's going on there, make sure things are fine, look at emails, do whatever paperwork that I have to get done that day. And then I'll head home, talking to clients, talking to um, my staff all the way home. I'll get home. Now that my daughter is in college, I don't have to worry about what she's going to eat and all that kind of stuff. So typically, I will go back to work until about 10. And then I go to sleep. And start all over. Now, as I've gotten older, I and my child is not around, I have a pension for happy hour. <laughs> so I will find someone who has that pension before <laughs> I go to happy hour. Then I'll go home. And then I'll work. I, I like a good happy hour myself. So <laughs> I have to I, call you. I understand. Really good <laughs> but um, that's, that's me trying to... Um, develop more of a social life um, because I spent so much time working, mm -hmm. so much time working. And so I want to, as I said before, those female relationships are really, really important. It's, um, I was telling another young lady I was talking to, it's funny how men are able to maintain their relationships inside of a marriage or a long-term relationship. Men keep their friends, but oftentimes women don't. They keep, um, mm. they, they, they make their family and their husband, their everything, mm -hmm. but he still has friends. And it was interesting to watch. And sometimes mom, we are mad that he still has his friends. That he still has friends. What he's really doing was healthy. When my dad passed yeah. away, my parents were married 54 years. When my dad passed away mm. and we're grown and um, she didn't have any friends. And it's been beautiful to watch my 70-something-year-old mother develop a really strong relationship with my childhood best friend's mother, who is a widow as well. And, you know, they have been, they've known each other because I, Virginia was like my first friend. I don't even remember when she became my friend. So our mothers were always together, but they never really had a friendship. Yeah. Now... They have a friendship, and I live in Houston, Virginia's in Dallas. We don't really talk like that, but she'll text me and be like, our moms are together again. Call your mom <laughs> and see if she'll answer her phone. Because they, they both are in their late 70s, so they got a phone around their neck, and neither one is because mm -hmm. they don't know it's ringing. So we call each other like, can you tell your mama to tell my mama to? But those <laughs> friendships are important, though, because they're enjoying their lives, but they, they didn't maintain them when they yeah. were younger. They could be having a ball right now. They could be traveling together right now. Wow. Okay. All right. That is wonderful though. That that is yeah. wonderful. Yeah. All right. So y'all, we, we could go on for forever, but you know, all good things. Well, I'm not gonna say all good things. Some good things have to come <laughs> to an end. So last question, or maybe next to the last question, Carla, I know that you know 
women in particular deal a lot with perfectionism. And as I like to say, chasing perfection and not chasing the possibilities. And it's not that men are immune to that, but I I just see it a lot. I I work with a lot of women. I I see it more. And even when I was in corporate, (laughs) we have to have everything just right. So would you say you have gotten comfortable with imperfection or do you just kind of tolerate it? I have not. And I am, um, you have not gotten working on it. I am not comfortable with, um, imperfection. I, um, I struggle with it. I'm a person who will think about a conversation I had and what I should have said and what I, how I should have responded and what was my face doing. And all of that is a part of that imposter syndrome stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that book, and it is well, even if you don't suffer from imposter syndrome, it is a book worth reading. I can't think of the author, but it is called, um, imposter syndrome. And part of it is men even apply for jobs that they are not, um, qualified. Yes. For. All the time. And we don't ever, women don't, women don't until they get all the boxes. And if we're doing something and we can't check all the boxes, then we'll stop and won't do it. Mm-hmm. You have to mm-hmm. jump. There just comes a time, and, and I, have, I have it written down to remind me in different places in different books. Um, jump. Jump. You know, um, and, and not to, you know, I'm a preacher's kid, so God is all over everything that I do. Because here's the thing, and my sister and I say this, and I've shared with this with a number of, of women, is that the same God that said, let there be light, and there was light, that um, took a rear from Adam and made a woman, that mm-hmm. same God is the same God that's going to catch you when you fall. That's how big it is. That's how mm-hmm. big your safety net is. So do the work. Line it up, do your best, but then jump. Because if you are walking in your purpose, God's going to catch you. It's going to be all right. You may break a bone, you're not going to die. You, right. you, you may have a concussion, you're not going right. to die. You will live to fight another day, but you prepare and then you jump because if you never jump, then you never know. And I think that's how you also get people who are very resentful of other people's success is because they fail to jump in their own lives. And they're Mm, wondering mm, what. mm. Yeah. Yeah. They're wondering what Mm. could have been. So go ahead and jump. And I promise you, you will not pay a lot of attention to what somebody else is doing because you're busy. You're busy. You got stuff you got popping. You don't have time to worry about you. Like, you know, what yeah, she dropped, she dropping it all. I I know some of you are ducking. I, I know you are. It's okay though, because cause she she's hidden. Yeah. That that's a thing. That's a real thing. Resenting real other thing. people's success, really because you have not done what you know. Let 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 yeah, let's deal with that because sometimes it's not a matter of we don't know. We use that as an excuse sometimes. I don't know what to do. I'm so confused. Sometimes you know and you're still not doing what you know you need to be doing, what you're called to do. And then you're mad at, at other people because they're winning. Yeah. Who boy. Okay. I think we're going to end on that. <laughs> pretty. All right, so we have talked about a lot, but let's get to the most important thing, Carla. This is the most important question I have for you. Now, those of you who may not know, Carla is from Dallas, which is near my hometown of Fort Worth. Now, those are not to be confused for you people (laughs) who think Dallas and Fort Worth is one big old city. It is not, okay? So... She's from Dallas, but she's been in Houston for, for a long time, as, as I have been. All right, here, here it is. Carla, which is better, Dallas or Houston? <laughs> Let's just you know, put it out on the table. Look, look, I always say Dallas born, Houston raised. I love Houston. Houston made it possible for me to be me. I love it. Okay. That just ticked off a bunch of Dallas people. Did I am just... so sorry. <laughs> I got here uh, as soon as I could. <laughs> Uh-huh. Okay. I'm laying down 45 South, honey. 45 oh South. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. All right. Well, ladies, share with us how 
people can stay in contact with you, stay connected with you. Is there anything you want to share, anything you're excited about right now? Let's, let's hear it. So um, best way to stay in contact is thiswomanswork.biz. That's the website. And lanestaff.com. Those are the two websites. We are on Facebook as This Woman's Work and on Facebook as Lane Staffing. And we are on Instagram as the same. Carlaism is a Facebook page that just has the smart remarks that I make, the little quick wisdom tidbits. And um, one of the things that we're launching this year is that I, along with um, Nettie Jones and Wanda Adams, we're going to do a, ser- a quarterly series of talks that I think we're going to call Wine and Wisdom. Um, and we're going to have wine. We're going to eat light bites. And we're just going to talk as girlfriends, kind of like we're talking right now. Um, because I think it's necessary. I think that um, sometimes we put these barriers between us that don't really exist. I had a woman who I had a meeting with said, oh my God, I can't believe that you would um, come and eat lunch with me. And I was like, why? And she had all of this stuff that she made up about why um, I shouldn't eat with someone like her. That's junk. Mm. That's stuff people made up. We all are women. We all want the best for our families. Please stop thinking people are better than you. They are not. They are not. Nobody is better than anybody. I don't care what you think. I'm going to sit down and eat lunch with Oprah and Michelle. They just don't know it yet because we the same thing. (laughs) See? Right. I'm speaking right. it. I'm speaking it. Now, I probably would get in there. My imposter syndrome would flare up, but I wouldn't say a word. But we're going to pray that that doesn't happen. Uh, yes. 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 Okay. All right. Well, it, this has been wonderful, awesome, swag-tastic. I'm so glad that you could join us. So, you guys, I know... This has been very valuable. I know this this has blessed you. So definitely share this with your audience, with your network. So this has been Rachel Wilson Thibodeau, joined by Mrs. Carla Lane of Lane Staffing. Until next time, take care and take action. Bye.